Guys, if you haven't signed up for our Discord channel, please do so at MajorDomoMedia.com, our growing community of wonderful commenters, telling everybody, teaching everybody how to live their life a little bit more deliciously. And speaking of delicious, all things Momofuku, you can visit us at shop.momofuku.com or visit Target or Whole Foods for our our lovely, lovely noodles, air-dried noodles, our chili crunch, and all the pantry items available at shop.momofuku.com. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you, Ola Tango, as always. We have a moif today, guys. We have Noel and Chris back by popular demand, and uh, we're going to get into moif in a second. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about my cardiologist. So I turned 45. I uh, don't have to go too much about my, my past, but um, I'm sort of a hypochondriac. I, I like to joke I'm a health nut. But now that I'm the father of two young children, I want to stick around as long as I can. I didn't always feel that way when I was younger, but now I do. And, and I want to be committed to that. And I've known I had to make certain changes in my life in terms of what I eat, in terms of how I exercise. Sometimes in some years of my past, that's been really good. And some years that's been not so good. But I think over the past year, I have been doing a better job. I see a cardiologist every six months. I get blood work done. And then my last blood work six months ago was very, very good low cholesterol, blood pressure was in check, across the board, all the numbers were good. Turned 45, got blood work done, and uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my doctor called me in and said, hey, we sort of have problems here. Have you changed anything? Are you still exercising? I said, yes, yes, yes. So what could be the reasons for my numbers to be way worse? Who knows? But he said, most likely, if you're telling me the truth, Dave, that you're living your life as you say you are, it's probably just old age and genetics. Most of the men on my father's side, when I say most, all of them, not most, all of them, my uncles have had some stroke. Some have been mild. Some have been severe. So that's something that has been top of mind. And ever since I was 40 and I started seeing a cardiologist, preventative medicine and sort of getting ahead of it, knowing that is my genetic predisposition as a male in my family to have a stroke. Anyway, without getting too much into that, I was super fucking bummed because the results that came back meant I needed to make some pretty serious changes in my diet. And it wasn't just minor things, right? Uh, For me to make sure that I'm going to stay ahead of my uh, DNA, right? I need to eat a lot healthier, and healthier means 
more of a Mediterranean diet, eating nuts and avocados and fish and vegetables and way less dairy, way less cheese, way less meats, way less pork, all the things that I love to eat. And I know you can eat delicious foods that way. Uh, Japanese diet is very similar to that. It's not that I can't make delicious foods. It's just a bummer that I don't have access anymore to eat what I want to eat like I was when I was younger. And I have to. As much as I don't want to, I want to stick around as long as I can for not just my family, but my friends. And it sucks. But also, like, I have to. I have to. So the reason I'm talking about this is because the past couple of weeks, not only do I have to change my, my medicines that I'm on, but I've been trying to eat a lot cleaner, a lot healthier, way less sodium. It fucking sucks. So like the wheel of constraint has been forced upon me. So I, I've been eating a lot more fish and it's not like I haven't, uh, I feed fish to my youngest son all the time. He loves it, but I've been trying to find ways that I think fish are going to be delicious. We've talked about it a lot, but I get a little bit jaded. And as many people do in the restaurant business, if you work at a place that got really good ingredients, if you have to shop for just anything, not even fish at your local supermarket, even the a nice fancy supermarket, it sort of pales in comparison to the shit you get at a restaurant from fish to meat to vegetables. And you could say, oh, in a farmer's market, even if you go to a farmer's market, the farmers are reserving the very best stuff they have for the very best restaurant. So you get super spoiled. And now I'm trying to buy things as a civilian. And I, I gotta say, I, I, I have, I've had a lot of frustrations. I am uh, going to vent a little bit here, but I have some ideas. Number one, I am tired of getting fish off the bone. Uh, I, I think we need to start buying whole fish. It's really hard to judge the quality of a fish when it's off the bone. Not that you can't fillet a fish, but when it all it, it's all filleted and there's no sort of precedent in terms of how they're treating their fish and handling their fish, I can only assume that it's been done poorly. And just because it's been stored on ice doesn't mean that it's properly done. You guys should all listen, re-listen to the podcast we did with Josh Nyland of St. Pete's in Sydney, Australia. Because storing fish on ice or in water or washing it is actually what you don't want to do. There are a couple of places that don't store their fish on ice, say like Bristol Farms. But um, even still, like I have issues with all these supermarkets because it's just not handled well. Buying a monionated piece of fish is horrible. Uh, literally eating fish like with, with, that tastes like Windex is not what you want. It's a fish gone bad, and that has all to do with the handling and the lack of transparency of the sort of moment it came out of the water to the moment it was put in the, the display at the supermarket. So I, I think one of the things that can happen is we need more transparency on the information of when it was caught, how it was caught, whether it was line caught, uh, dredged, trolled, you know, like clearly line caught is the best, but it's the more difficult way. You also want to get a sense of when it was caught because of how it was treated, whether it was, you know, recently rigor mortis, was it not? I won't go into the, how different it is, but buying fish, even if it's filleted and portioned out in say Japan and Korea, many places in Asia, I'm not an expert in grocery stores and in uh, Africa or South America, but I have been to many in Europe for the most part, even Europe, definitely Europe, especially even the markets, the fish markets, they're unbelievable. You don't have a question about the freshness of the fish or the quality of the fish, not even the freshness, the quality of the fish. 
it should be so self-evident that it's fresh, right? So that's why you want to see a whole fish, all right? And if it is broken down, you want to have some precedent. You want to know that there's a history of how they're handling fish in a proper way so you can trust that even if filleted, it's not an issue. If they do fillet it, I'm tired that most of the time it's not scaled, or if it is scaled, it's not scaled properly, right? And the reason I say that is if you don't scale it before you take it off the bone, it's almost impossible to scale it without damaging the flesh of the fish. So you are, you almost have to get rid of the fish skin. I think fish skin is one of the most delicious things. I love crispy fish skin in general. It's just, it's just really delicious. And I know a lot of people don't like eating fish with the head on, and they definitely don't like eating fish skin. And that's unfortunate, right? And because of how the diner, I think majority wants their fish to be skinless, there's no incentive for the grocery stores to scale the fish properly. It bums me out, man. So when I've been buying fish, I ask, is it scaled? Every time the past sort of two plus weeks, I've been told yes, and I come home, and you're not allowed to touch the fish at the grocery store. Touch the fish, and I'm like, fuck, these motherfuckers didn't scale it, or it scaled very poorly. If you've never scaled a fish at home, it sucks, man. You need a big sink. It's a lot of mess. Scales get everywhere, and you need the right tools. I do not like scaling a fish with the the back of a sort of duller knife. I don't like doing that at all. You need the proper tools. You need a scaler. I'm not going to spend the time to scale it with a Yanagi, right? I don't even own a Yanagi at home, right? There's other ways you can do it, but those are bigger fish and not the kind of fish you get at a supermarket. And also another thing is, you know, we just got out of California wild king salmon season. I never got a salmon that was properly pin boned, right? The bones that come along the the cage of the fish, it's never happens. Not all fish have those big pin bones, but I'm a big fan of wild king salmon and it always has pin bones. It sucks. It sucks when you get pin bones because they should be taken out. And what is just maddening is you ask them if it's scaled, is it pin bone? And they almost always say yes. Secondly, there's just a lack of information and transparency about the quality of the fish. You have no idea when it was caught, how it was caught. Was it line caught or was it caught in a net? These are important things to know. This information can easily be done because it pretty much exists for shellfish. Whether you realize it or not, any shellfish mussel or clam or oyster that you get a supermarket has a tag on it in terms of when it was sort of harvested, where it was from, and who handled it. There's this important for sort of... Uh, accountability, right? Because there can be a foodborne illness, especially with shellfish, even more so now with global warming and all the crazy things going on in the ocean, right? You need to keep track of these things. We already have that. All we need the grocery stores to do is to adopt a similar system with tags. So if a customer asks about the provenance of a fish and when it was caught, easily there. Maybe it's even a QR code. Who the fuck knows? But we need this. Grocery stores need to start doing this. And how? listen, to track how it was handled is pretty easy. Almost all of these fish came by UPS or FedEx. And if you even go to UPS, I would rather just have that information. It went to here, here, and here, and I can see the dates when it was traveling, et cetera, et cetera. But if they're not handling the fish properly, 
it gives me an idea of how the fish might taste and I'm definitely not going to buy it, right? I want to buy, if I'm going to eat seafood, it's not all the time. Fish is expensive, especially good quality fish. The, the third thing is a lot of the times you're buying fish at the supermarkets, the information is wrong. I know I've talked about this before, but I've been spending a lot more time at the grocery aisle, at, at supermarkets, at the fish aisle, and it is mind-boggling in terms of the misinformation on both sides, both from the customer and the person selling the fish, right? Talking about the sustainability of a farm. I was like, maybe they know it's true, maybe they don't, but it's just not real. It's not good information. Their job is to market and to reassure to the customer that they can make something delicious with it. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but also it's not actually real, right? Like telling somebody that this farm-raised fish from Scandinavia, this farm-raised salmon is just as good as anything else there, that's wrong, right? And how sustainability in aquaculture and in salmon farming and fish farming in general I'm just skeptical that it's as awesome as they say it is, right? So we need to do a better job as both diners and demand from the grocery stores that they give us better information about how it was handled, where it was caught, and uh, less of the sort of sort of sales tricks to get someone to buy some fish that uh, is marketed extremely well on sustainable farming. Not all aqua farming is the same. I would say most aqua farming is pretty bad. I am the furthest thing from an aquaculture expert, but I do know that there's only a handful of places, right? Uh, certain kinds of fish that are, are able to be raised in a responsible way. A lot of farmed fishing isn't the best. The number one aquaculture is salmon. I mean, it, it is just a huge business. So that's another problem I have. I think we should do a better job of selling seasonal salmon. I don't think we need to be selling sockeye salmon as much. And I have all kinds of issues with farm-raised salmon. I will tell you that sometimes I do buy Atlantic farm-raised salmon. I have no idea about the feed on it. I have no idea about a lot of different things, but it it's pretty good. To, it's pretty delicious. And uh, I guess another point that I have that I'm tired of is the marinated fish and the poke. You should never go buy poke at a supermarket. You should never, ever buy marinated fish. I'm not saying it can't be good. There could be wonderful marinades, but the whole reason that it is in a marinade or a poke bowl is because it scraps. It's also something that you can mask the quality of the fish with a lot of spice and umami and fat. It's also the reason why I'm not the biggest fan of fish tartare or um, spicy tuna rolls and stuff like that. Not that you can't be, but majority of the tartare that makes up a maki roll, I don't want to throw anyone in the bus here. It's just not high quality potentially. Not to say that it couldn't be, but I don't like eating it because I I just want to know where it's from. So uh, I, I I shy away from all that marinated fish. That's another thing that those fishmongers do a really good job at, at selling the marinated fish. I, I just can't imagine that. I wish we were having more oily uh, fish, more bait fish, uh, but that's just not likely for some time. I hope I'm wrong. 
So I, I just want more diversity in terms of what we're selling and how we're handling it. And even places like Asian markets that have a lot of diversity in their fish, I'm always underwhelmed in terms of how they're handling it. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of dilemmas there with fish. And going back to salmon really quickly, I think there's a dilemma with farm-raised salmon. I would rather eat that than wild sockeye salmon. I don't like sockeye as a fish. I definitely don't like coho as a fish. But Chinook, aka king salmon, is fucking sublime and delicious. Farm salmon is based on king salmon. They're totally different fucking like animals in the sense that how they're raised. Sometimes it takes up to three years for like very good sustainable aquaculture salmon. But that's on the high end. I think most farm-raised salmon is just like, let's pump it full of shit so it grows as fast as possible. But the reason I buy it is I'd rather buy frozen salmon than fresh fish at many of the supermarket grocery stores. On top of that all, I'll be eating a lot more bacalao salt cod. And I have been. I'm just rinsing out the salt as much as possible. And the irony is salt cod, frozen fish, I know what the ceiling is on this. And I know what the floor is on these. And I would rather have a frozen piece of fish. I'd rather have an ancient salt cod that might be like fucking six years old. Plus, simply because I know where it came from, I know how it was handled, and many of these frozen fish that come into your supermarkets, they're frozen and processed like almost immediately. So that's why I like frozen fish. Uh, If I had my choice, I would never eat frozen fish because clearly I'm not going to say that it's better, but I would rather eat it than the fresh stuff that looks like shit. But this is an ongoing conversation. All I know is I have to eat more fish. I have to eat a lot cleaner. I definitely have to eat less salt. And I am frustrated. I'm actually extremely frustrated that I can't get fish of high quality. And it doesn't always have to be the case. I'm happy to eat frozen fish. I cook frozen fish all the time in my any day. It's, it's like three minutes in a small any day. It's like perfect. If it wasn't frozen, you could cook a piece of fish in like 90 seconds at most, depending on the thickness and size. Wonderful way of cooking. And it's, it's how I make a lot of fish for my family in general. But anyway, I, I didn't think that I'd talk about cardiology, uh, my, my cardiologist and in my relation to buying fish, but um, I wish it was easier. Uh, I guess I could just eat avocados, but I do love fish, man. And so does my family. And I'm trying to eat less shrimp. I think Shrimp can be problematic for a lot of reasons, unless it's wild. Shellfish is something I don't buy because we're still waiting on a shellfish allergy uh, for our youngest, who is having quite a few, quite a few food allergies. So yeah, man, I, everything's in flux. But I would just, I just wish that we're able to change the transparency in terms of how it was caught, how our fish was caught change the diversity of the fish because we can't just rely on salmon and salmon alone. And I hope that the consumer arms themselves with some knowledge, right? To ask themselves, why is this sustainable, right? Uh, again, my favorite quote from a server at a restaurant about the kind of salmon that they were selling. I asked them about the farm and they said it swims in its own environment. I was like, that's the kind of marketing mumbo jumbo that it's sort of genius, but also fucks with people, right? People want their salmon. People want their fish and they want it cheap. I don't have the answers. I'm simply telling you that uh, 
I find it to be almost comically funny that the fish that I'm eating isn't the stuff that's being sort of sold to me from behind the counter and and uh, given a great story. I'm buying salt cod and I'm buying frozen fish, uh, whether it's halibut, rockfish. Halibut actually doesn't happen too much. Rockfish or salmon. You know, I, I hope that we have different levels of fish uh, available. Anyway, we'll get into Moif right now. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Today's My Opinion is Fact is presented by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business, it's your entire life. You could be designing websites or designing arrangements as a florist. Whatever the business, you need someone who understands what it's like to have one themselves. And that's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners too. They know what it takes and how to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Dave, is it fun to get to say that State Farm line? <laughs> I feel like it'd be fun to get to say these like super famous ad taglines. As you were saying it, I was texting to Noelle like, man, I'm not, I, I just don't, don't, I don't have the voice of the president uh, in, in uh, 24. <laughs> His voice is so good, man. Like a good, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Do you think if you're like somebody like that, you do a bunch of like protect your voice type of stuff? Are you like super conscientious about like, don't smoke, well, don't. I, I take offense that you don't think that I do that already. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I, I shouldn't have asked that as a hypothetical. Uh, somebody like you, Dave, with such a beautiful tool at your disposal, do you have to work to protect it? No. Anyway, Noel, you're on. Well, guys, I'm wondering. So you're going to a restaurant and they have one of those, you know, fish tanks up front. Are you looking at that aquarium before ordering or even not even the fish tanks, maybe just the decorative aquarium that's up there? I went to the, uh, a, a, a sort of animal sanctuary with my son recently and everything I saw there, I, I was looking at as butcher cuts. <laughs> From a delicious. Every animal yeah. that I saw was like a chart that I could cut along and have a primal cut. And that's exactly how I look at fish in every facet. Even goldfish, the, the big koi fish ponds, I'm looking at it. I always think, oh, could that be good? <laughs> I love that you were having this thought at an animal sanctuary, too. Just like, I want to eat that. Karma's that a too. bitch, man. I'm going to be that oh, when no. I'm reborn. <laughs> I don't care. I think that, like, I don't, I would never go to like a Chinese restaurant with like a live seafood tank and be like, 
oh yeah, that's my that's mine right there, that lobster right there. But I mean, you do go through sometimes and just do a general survey, and like, oh, this this is kind of a sad tank here. There's like one lobster living in there with a dead upside down fish. Sometimes that dead upside down fish is actually not dead. No, oh, <laughs> it's just it's playing possum. Yeah, it's Nemo. It's just like, oh, it's, it's like it sees Dave come in and it, invert, it inverts itself immediately and floats to the top. It's just like, <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. Not fresh. Not fresh over here. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I go to a restaurant that has a seafood tank, I'm trying to tell myself, how much can I order? Do I have enough people to order it? Mm. Right. If I've invited you to a restaurant that has a seafood tank, it may be possible that I don't necessarily want to dine with you, but I need you to dine with me. You're literally a warm body. You're just a body to get the head count up there. (laughs) You know? No offense. Just like, oh, Dave, I can't make dinner tonight. What the hell, man? I need one more. (laughs) You know, just speaking of fish, too, you know what's remarkable to me is I remember doing Mind of a Chef and... I had come back from Kyoto in 2006, and I know I brought up I bring up Kyoto a lot because it was extremely like a revelation in, in terms of how food is handled. But ikijime was something that I did not know anything about when I was 29 years old, and then coming back to figure out how to perform ikijime, which is a brain spike severing the nerve and uh, the spinal cord in fish to control rigor mortis, which ultimately controls the texture and develops more glutamic acid, which is an important thing when you're cooking clean, simple food as they do in Japan at the high-end restaurants. Nobody really knew anything about it. Nobody even had the tools to do it and we had to develop it. And now you go to restaurants and it happens all the time. It's, it's a rarity that you go to a high-end, very ambitious restaurant and they don't have a fish that is ikijimin. And that's what's interesting to me is I'm seeing more and more places that have fish tanks that are there ikijimeing their own fish, like Providence, for example. They're practicing ikijime. It's fucking crazy to me. That development is, is mind-boggling. This process of how fish is being handled is happening. And also the stuff that Josh Nyland is doing with dry-aging fish, that's happening. There's a, there's a chef here uh, that's doing it in Los Angeles, and more and more people are doing it. You're seeing it, this dry-aging of fish. So I hope that a lot of these handling practices are going to be trickled down to uh, the mm-hmm. grocery store level. I am also always amazed by the, um, not just the fish that you're actually supposed to consume at a restaurant that's upfront, but the aquariums that are like fancy, fancy saltwater aquariums where you almost kind of wonder, huh, why are you putting this much effort into this fish tank here instead <laughs> of in your home? <laughs> anyway. Do you not look at those kinds of aquarium and wonder how they taste? <laughs> no, they're so tiny. Why are you thinking about that? Tiny fish can be delicious too. Mm. I don't think those colorful fish are, are, I don't think tropical fish are very delicious. Am I wrong? How do you know? Stuff? How do you know that? How do you know when that? You, well, I'm just basing it sheerly on this. I'm basing it on the fact that like, this is not a hundred percent true. You literally you tra- sound like a group of people that say Asian food can't be good. <laughs> Okay, I that's that's not the same <laughs> thing. The same. Okay. But I'm saying in general, when you go to like a warm water place, like the the like the warm water fish, like I don't like grouper as much as I like cold water fish. Like I don't like tropical fishes. I've broken down grouper not too much in my lifetime. I would say in the 40 and 50 range in my life. 
I don't think there's one time where I haven't pulled a giant fucking worm out of the beaver. <laughs> okay, there you oh, go. No. Case, case made. Like, don't eat tropical fish. Oh. Let me tell you what I won't order. Halibut and grouper. Halibut is also a mm. wormy fish, FYI. I know we've already talked about our hatred of halibut, but uh, grouper is, <laughs> to me, repeating. not nice. That's oh. a fish you send to your friend that you don't like. <laughs> you have a grouper. Uh Overrated or underrated generally? Noel, let me ask you. Keeping a pet fish. Oh, I think it's kind of overrated. Mm-hmm. As, as a child who loved having fish and then realized that the maintenance on the tank itself really sucked, it's overrated by far. But the other thing, too, is my sister and I always got to pick our own fish, and my fish would always eat her fish. So in that <laughs> regard, underrated, Chris. <laughs> Very much underrated. What are big sisters for? <laughs> so fucked up. That was, that was delivered with such cynicism. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Wait, so if on the menu, going back to eating fish at a restaurant, if there's a fresh catch of the day versus an option that's, you know, on the menu every single time, which of those two would you pick? Honestly, I'll take the fish and chips or something like that's deep fried <laughs> uh, if it's a restaurant i don't know anything about yeah i i'm always going to choose the frozen fish too even then like if it's a diner uh like and they have soul i'm not ordering that <laughs> you're not ordering the soul piccata at, at the diner that's you know this speaks to something else right like i, I think that americans want to be able to buy fish the way we buy pork beef or chicken where we go to a grocery store and we can expect to find ribeyes, New York strips, filet, pork chops, pork ribs, chicken thighs, chicken breasts, and like have that across the board. Just like we expect to find a recipe for halibut, find a recipe for sole online, and then go to our grocery store and find filet of sole, find salmon, find tuna. Like that's inherently like the problem here is <laughs> like you can't do that with fish. Because there is not, especially wild fish, right? Like that's when you talk about Mediterranean or, J- or Japan, like you eat what is available as opposed to like expecting high quality salmon to always be sitting there on the ice block. Yeah, I, I love uh, striped bass. I think it's one of the best fish to eat, but I also like catching them. So I try not to eat striped bass. Mm-hmm. Because I, I like to fish, I have a strange relation with fish in terms of, I feel like I put them on a higher pedestal than mm-hmm. other things. I don't know. I, got, I don't order fish too much in restaurants. Hmm. I mean, this is very interesting because I feel like I'm the exact opposite where I'll order way more fish, but I'm also, I'm not thinking about what the fish supply is or like what's good. And in a lot of ways, it kind of comes down to, okay, is it? How is it cooked? What else is with it? But it sounds like there's a lot more that goes into this that I should be thinking about. So, no, you do that. You do you do what every kitchen's favorite thing is. You go and say like, "Can I get the pork chop on the fish set up?" <laughs> Everybody loves when you do. You that. know what was great? Uh, I don't like swordfish in general, but we all had it. The sword, swordfish apoive at, at Claude. Claude, so yeah. good. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That- but I, I also think one of the things that has to change is variety of fish in terms of what people want to eat. We got to stop eating salmon. 
we just have to. Yeah. I mean, we I'm just saying. need other things. Like black cod, ling cod is local in California waters. So is rockfish, both on both coasts. So uh, you, the fact that you get that at Trader Joe's is sort of remarkable. But I think black cod is so good. People need to eat mackerel, sardines, anchovies, the bait fish. Uh, that's my favorite kind of sushi, too. So I just feel like education and what we want to eat in America has to change a little bit. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I just, again, I remember being able to get a lot of black bass in 2000. Black bass is an amazing fish, but now it's not on any menu because we've over- So, like, in my lifetime, we've already seen sort of the decimation of that. It's harder to find skate as well. So I don't know what's going to happen. I do know what's going to happen, actually. It's not good. <laughs> Maybe you were right then, man. Maybe we just need to try eating more tetras and clownfish and some more <laughs> tropical aquarium fish. That's the solution. Listen, <laughs> goldfish will no, look pretty please. good in a fish called Wanda. All right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seahorse and guppy on the menu this weekend. Wait, so Dave, I know you're you love to fish, and I know you do too, Chris Yang. But when you're catching your own fish, what do you do with it after the fact? Are it's you marinating it? Oh no, it's all catch and release. And when I before I started fly fishing, I I was like my friend Will who taught me how to do it initially. I was like, oh, I'm gonna eat all of the fucking fish I catch. And he's like, fuck you. To an angler, it's like no, that's that's like nature. That's your 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 sort of sport. And if you're with a uh, somebody that's in the industry, you're like eating their their business. Right. You know I mean? mm. So you want to treat that with respect. Um, and not everyone feels that way, but you know, I, I think there's a difference too. There are fish that you can eat. I'm going to go fishing in Mexico, and snook is a, a warm water version of, say, striped bass or barracuda. Barracuda is delicious as ceviche. Those are things you're, you're going to eat, but you don't eat the other things. You don't eat any of the game fish that you catch, but there, it's not that people don't. I love catching permit. Pompano is like a baby permit in a lot of ways. I don't eat Pompano either because it's like eating my friend. <laughs> it's, like, you know? it's like eating the other team when you're playing football. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. playing them. <laughs> And I, I would imagine permit has to be one of the most delicious fish. And I do know that it's widely consumed, especially when you get to the Keys. What do they eat? Shrimp and crabs. Oh so their flesh <laughs> supposedly tastes like shrimp and crabs. And I do know there are people that eat them because dolphins only eat like the head. Mm. Dolphins are motherfuckers, man. <laughs> mm. They're really motherfuckers. They just gnaw on like the, the brain of the, the, the fish and then they leave it. And, and you can... I know people will uh, eat that permit that was recently left to rot by a <laughs> dolphin. <laughs> and they, they'll, they'll say that it's really good. That's amazing. On a totally other non-fish related topic, you could only have one of these two for the rest of your life. Lemons or limes. Which one would you pick? I'm going to tell you exactly why and not because it has anything to do with flavor. Limes. All day. Mm. Because it's so much easier to juice and there's very few seeds, if any. <laughs> Just from a sheer oh, prep standpoint. No. <laughs> uh, how about you, Chris? Uh, I feel like 
lime is more from like a, a, a flavor standpoint, like you can substitute lemon in more places than you can a lime. I feel like lime is like a distinctive thing. I don't think you like, I, like if you want to make ceviche, like it doesn't taste as good with lemon. Just say it. Lemons are overrated. <sighs> Fuck, Mary kill lemons, oranges, or limes. Okay. Mm. Fuck, 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 fuck around with an orange. I'd marry the lime and I'd kill the lemon. I think that's right. I think that's right. Dave? I'm going to marry the orange. Because <laughs> <laughs> a perfect orange, that's true love, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's true love. I think a fuck is, the, uh, is, is maybe the lemon. Mm. And now kill the lime. Well, that was out of sheer laziness. Now we're talking about eternity together, right? <laughs> now we're talking about life partners. <laughs> life partner. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and other over and unders. Compound butter. Can I just say, what the fuck is up with these Instagram TikTok posts about compound butter videos? I mean, all over the place. All over. Compound butter <laughs> clearly is great, but... It's got to settle the fuck down. Compound butter. Slow your roll, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it's too, it's too, yeah, social media friendly though. Uh, but you don't, like, that's the other thing you see at the grocery store all the time. Not just marinated fish, but like, here's a bunch of salmon with like a pad of compound butter on top. Do you ever actually make a compound butter, Chang? Never at home. Yeah. Why would you do, why would you do that? Besides... <laughs> You know how much butter you need to make a compound butter? A lot. I don't like buying butter because I just don't like buying butter. I like churning my own butter. What? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Hey. You know, I, I actually this, this I reminds a single, me. I'm a single utter cow <laughs> butter man. Oh my, oh god. my god! Single origin cow. Not single origin. Utter. Single utter. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. You don't. You only take I from only the prime like utter it out of one teat. <laughs> I actually want to know what the science is behind that. Could you just milk one teat and be okay? Uh, th this occurred to me the other day, Chang, because my wife bought butter from some, you know, we had, we needed butter and she bought it from some like ritzy grocery store. Like that was the only place around. And it was the first time since like being in a restaurant kitchen that I had received butter instead of in sticks in the single pound block form that it comes in in restaurants. Like you don't see that at home, right? Like people don't understand that like, in a restaurant, you buy it by yeah, like I a think single this is a, brick. This is a really good topic now that you brought it up. The varieties of butter. Also compound butter, you might do with shitty butter. There are some compound butters that are wonderful. Bordier, famous, famous farmer, dairy farmer that makes arguably the best butter in the world. Actually, I was, I think, the first American to get permission to get it imported, but I couldn't get it through fucking JFK at the time. Wow. And he makes a seaweed butter that is so fucking good, mm. especially if you cook that with some scallops or shellfish and as a smoked butter. So compound butters can be wonderful, but butters have so many levels of excellence. Many kinds of butter that you buy in the grocery store are not good. Especially if it's like a double A letter, that means it's just like a relatively low quality butter. I'm not saying you can't cook with it. I'm not saying you can't make something delicious, but there's butters that you cook with and there's butters that you eat and you want to eat. 
And when you experience great butter, and I think butter production, really high quality butter production has gotten better in America, but in general, would you guys agree that delicious dairy products such as cheese and butter are better in Europe than they are in America? And I know we're going to piss off a lot of people, mainly in Northern California, that are going to say, no, we're making stuff just as good. Yes, you can. But as a, as a whole, again, American butter production on the high end is similar to American soccer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the high end or just on the general generic? It's a whole level. Available. You have some, you have some butters mm-hmm. that could make well, it, it to the Premier League, but sit on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Sergino Dest, uh, Christian Pulisic. I think, uh, yeah, the Pulisic of butters. I think, here's what I would say. There's no butter at the grocery store that I look at, it, regardless of price point, at the gro- at a regular grocery store where I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to buy that and just eat it on a piece of bread. Like, I don't think that that's going to be I want to imagine some, some, some butter person just etching my name in, in their to kill person list now. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. There's great butter here. But all I wanted to say is really good butter can be transcendent. I got some at Tartine the other day. Their cultured butter is fucking mm-hmm. so good, man. Mm. So, so good. One of the best things you can make for guests is great bread, butter, and anchovies. And mm-hmm. if your guest doesn't like to eat that, they should never come to your house ever again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over, overrated or underrated, Chang, the Pickled white bocaronis anchovy. That's a good one. But this not, doesn't, doesn't pair well with butter. I know. It pairs well wrapped around an olive. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's another thing I bought at Roma's uh, Italian market, which weirdly has a Spanish brand. Anchovy stuffed olives. Mm. <sighs> Anchovies and olives, like milk and cookies. Mm-hmm. First restaurant I ever cooked, we had to stuff anchovies or olives with anchovies and then bread them for the fryer, which was the fucking most delicious and surfing real surf and turf, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> all that Mediterranean diet again. <laughs> but butter butter has many different levels. What we should do is come up with the best domestic high-end butter list. And there are many kinds of butters. Um you know, Co used to have this amazing butter that was aged in cheesecakes, and the, and, and the microbial environment made it taste like funky cheese. There's a lot of different ways to make great butter, but I just wanted to say, end this on the butter talk topic. If you are, and we've talked about it before, we've even put it on social media. If you're going to put butter on bread, put a lot of it on. <laughs> make it worth it. Because next time I eat bread and butter, it's going to be a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about it already. Again, another thing that the best way to eat caviar now, I think, is bread, good butter, and a shit ton of caviar. <laughs> yeah, I agree that the best way to eat caviar is to eat a ton of it. <laughs> next, I agree with that. My next, my next blood work checkup, if it gets to proper numbers, I'm going to fuck it all up because that's exactly what I'm going to eat. <laughs> uh, celebration. I'm going to make a butter cup. Make a well and put some of such caviar on there and then close it back up so it's like a butterball, mm-hmm. like it's a bonbon right in my fucking mouth. Little Florida cell. So good. That is fucking disgusting. Take that compound butter. Fuck you. That's so gross you can't do that. That's so gross to think about.
Uh, hey, Noel, I got a, I got a, I got a moif topic to flip back on you to close, close the circuit on, on something we were talking about before. Noel, mm-hmm. overrated or underrated, Auntie Anne's pretzels. Okay. I heard the whole thing. I have a whole thing about Wetzel's versus Auntie Anne's. Oh, wait, wait. So just to review, Dave fell in love with Auntie Anne's. I didn't fell no, in love. This is a with long, Wetzel's. Okay. Torrid Dave, affair, motherfucker. Dave, Dave, Dave had another tryst with a longtime I, lover, Wetzel's pretzels. I can't quit. I can't quit you. He met up after years of being in the wild. They they ran into each other and hooked up again. Now, part of that though, and I'm I'm maybe setting the stage for what you're gonna say here, Noel, is Dave also concluded that Auntie Anne's and Wetzel's are essentially the same thing. They, oh, sir. They are they may in fact be owned by the same Noel, shadow corporation. You're telling me one of these is actually Heath Ledger and the other one <laughs> is the new Dalton Roadhouse. Not possible. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, what Jake say Jonal. you? What? What? <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, I was like connecting the Brokeback Mountain dots to <laughs> Roadhouse. Okay, I got you. So they're they're Noel. What say you to this theory that they are basically the same thing? I mean, they're very different. They are very very different. Here's why. So just for reference, like I only grew up with an Auntie Anne's around me. Um, I don't think Wetzel's like I didn't know you were raised up. by your auntie. <laughs> by my auntie. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like thought that that was the absolute best type of pretzel. You watch them roll it out. It's super, super thin. They had all of the flavors and the dips. And then once Wetzel's rolled around, I realized like, no, 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 no. There is a textural difference and an occasion difference to both of these. They are perfect for very particular pretzels. So like Auntie Anne's almond crunch is better than the Wetzel's crunch. The dips are better at Auntie Anne's. The, the fact that they both have one of those makes Dave's point. The fact that there's a no. fucking almond crunch pretzel so one has a sesame bun and the other one doesn't. <laughs> that, that's, that makes the case McDonald's that versus exactly McDonald's. Uh, but I think that they're actually, the like origin is slightly different. I'm pretty sure Auntie Anne's is like, I could be wrong in saying this, but uh, Pennsylvania-based, like Amish-style pretzel. And Wetzel's is like a fluffier. I, I'm not Amish, but I don't think it's very Amish. <laughs> I don't think the Amish. I, I don't know a lot about Amish culture, but I also don't think they're allowed to like start international franchise businesses <laughs> around their pretzels. I weirdly, I genuinely weirdly remember there being like a little sign or something at Auntie Anne's that like talked about the history and like origin. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you right now. Started in, it's over 1,200 of them. Whoa. Founded in 1992 or something like that mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Middleton, Middletown, Pennsylvania. They do $500 million in revenue. But they're so different. One's fluffy. The other one's crunchy. <laughs> One you have to eat. You have to eat Auntie Anne's like within a window of time. What's and- pretzels? Founded in Pasadena. No. <laughs> Redondo Beach. The headquarters is in Pasadena. Oh. You'll be getting a resume from me very soon, Wetzel's Pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, 
like I already live close. <laughs> All I right, so okay. to work. This I, you, you make a compelling case that there are two different companies. <laughs> but let me ask you this: Which one is better? If I could only eat one for the rest of my life, I don't know. I'd probably pick Wetzel's for the cheesy bites, hmm. or like a cheesy pretzel. Hot dog. The fucking hot dog. No, the hot dog's better at Auntie Anne's. It's better with that crispier, crispier. This was extremely roll. crispy. I'm telling you, <laughs> the facial expressions. I am <laughs> shocked at your. <laughs> this was extremely <laughs> crispy. <laughs> You're wrong. Auntie Anne's You're is wrong. great though. A better lemonade over there. It's better. Sweet things are better at Auntie Anne's. Savory things better at. Well, I got Generally something to better. tell you. I got That's something to tell you, Auntie Anne's. Go fuck yourself, Auntie Anne's. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I'm <laughs> Team Wetzel's Pretzels. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, Noel, I think by the fact that Dave. Unless, has Auntie done... Anne's, you want to sponsor us. <laughs> no, the, the fact that Dave has chosen a side acknowledges that he believes there's a difference. Therefore, you may have made your case here. Uh-huh. So we Auntie have to do a side by side. How do we do a. So here's the thing How do we do a side by side? of Wetzel's and Auntie Anne's because I don't think there's a universe where one is close to another. They're like opposite ends of a, of a yeah. magnet. Well, it's we just need, never going to happen. Yeah. So this is also, okay, I'm just, I'm continuing to make this case. The fact that no one's ever seen an Auntie Anne's and a Wetzel's in the same place at the same time <laughs> means that they're the same person. I need, we need to find a mall somewhere in the Los Angeles area that has both an Auntie Anne's and a Wetzel's within walking distance. Can I tell you the problem with Auntie Anne's, though, now is they're opening them up next to or together with a Cinnabon. And that really just, that creates a real dilemma for me. Oh, it's a combination Cinnabon, Auntie Anne's? Mm-hmm. What dilemma is that? What, what, what is the problem? Well, it's like I, I think that I want a pretzel and then I see a Cinnabon and then I obviously go for the Cinnabon. You got to go both. Wrong answer, Noel. You have to do both. I mean, Noel, I, I got to say, you walked right into that one. I know, <laughs> I did. You walked right into <sighs> that one. That's ridiculous. You chose poorly. Right. Which cup is it? Both of them. I mean, all these people that have followed you and listened to your snack and eating advice, you let them all down, Noel. <laughs> you let them all down. <laughs> we need to do a Wetzel's Pretzels Auntie Anne's Challenge. Or anybody listening at their respective companies, use us. Let us have this Noxu Cow Challenge. <laughs> Noxu Cow. <laughs> what? Blood sport. Oh. Two men enter, one man leaves. Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 do this. Let's settle this once and for all. Somebody at corporate headquarters at Wetzel's or Auntie Anne's, let's do this. Yeah, don't. I mean, don't be scared. If you believe in your product, step up. Today's My Opinion is Fact was presented by State Farm. As a small business owner, you put a ton of trust in yourself to go out on your own. There's a lot on the line, and you want to make sure you do everything you can to protect it. And that's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. Choose State Farm for your small business insurance because State Farm agents are small business owners too. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Um, give us five stars. And if you are an employee at Wetzel's Pretzels or Auntie Anne's, let's get this done. We'll do it in the ring. And, uh, 
I'm gonna. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna be victorious over Noel's poor choice of Arantiens. <laughs>